0: been a while. How you guys doing? Good. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, you can make some noise. That's good. That's good. So in case you were wondering, we're going to do things a little bit different today. Um, I am joined, in case you don't know, my name is uh, Todd McVicker. I'm your worship pastor here. This is my lovely wife, Liz McVicker. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Them, that's good. And I know they need no introduction, but I'm gonna introduce them anyway. Our pastors, pastors Mo, Pastor Kendra, thank you for being here.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: So we've been in the series for the last couple of weeks um, called Greater, and it comes from this scripture in Haggai 2:9 that says the future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory. And why that's important for us is we're in a season of Victory Church where we're celebrating 30 years of faithfulness from our senior founding pastors, Pastors Dennis and and, uh, Colleen Rouse, up in our Norcross campus. Can we we give it up for them today? So actually, next weekend, we are celebrating their transition. They are handing the reins of the church over to awesome uh, Summer and Johnson, Bowie, and we're so excited about that. But as we've been kind of preparing for that season, we've been looking back and some of the awesome things that have happened over the past 30 years. And so we thought we'd take a a few moments today and just sort of hear from our pastors about some past stuff, some present stuff, and some future stuff. So in case you guys didn't know, um, Victory Midtown is about to celebrate four years of being a church uh, coming up in October. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny how God orchestrates this stuff, but I was on social media, and you know, Facebook reminds you of memories and stuff like that. So this picture popped up for literally four years ago last weekend of Liz and I's last service at Hamilton Mill Campus, and we were leaving there to come plant uh, Victory Midtown. So it's just so cool how that, ca- that sort of came up as we were preparing for this. Yeah. So we started four years ago. Um, we started at Woodruff Art Center, set up, tear down, like building the foundation. Of the church and almost immediately we hit some some roadblocks so we our founding pastors uh, Kyle and Mallory Cruz they were at our very first opening service and then had to jump off staff to battle some cancer and unfortunately on this side of eternity we lost Mallory to brain cancer but we know that she's celebrating in heaven she re- has received her full healing there but that that caused some some issues right off the bat so we lost Our founding pastors the second weekend, so they asked, uh, senior leadership asked Liz and I to to step up and uh, uh, be interim campus pastors for a while. So we did a few months of that, and then we needed some help. So um, Wisdom said, why don't you send some seasoned people down to help us? So uh, we got Pastor Rob McClellan that came and pastored faithfully for a little over a year, year and a half, something like that. And we were really sort of aimless. So even when Pastor Rob came down, it was sort of an interim thing, and he was going to get the campus ready to receive our, like, our our real pastors, you know, to take us into the next level. And those people just did not come. (laughs) Right? Like, we were like— Not for lack of praying. Right, yeah, we (laughs) prayed— We (laughs)
2: prayed quite a bit for these two.
0: But we were, like, always searching and looking, and there were some people we thought it could have been, and it wasn't them— and we were just like, God, are you going to like fulfill your promise for this campus? And literally, it feels like all of a sudden, I start hearing about this couple, Mo and Kendra. And I didn't know who you were. I didn't, I didn't know really anything about you. But I was hearing people, have you met Mo and Kendra? Have you met them? They're awesome. You should meet them. So Liz and I grabbed brunch with you guys one weekend. I think we were at... Highland Bakery for like yep. three or four hours or something <laughs> yeah. like that, shut it down. Yeah. And I remember going back to Norcross and talking to Pastor Dennis and, and just saying, man, there's something special about, about this couple. And he goes, yeah, I've been praying the same thing. I'm, I'm feeling like I might be doing something really, really cool. So as we kick off today, I just kind of wanted to hear from you guys. I know we've heard a little bit about your story coming from New Birth um, here. But really, I think it would be awesome for us all to hear What was that transition like from you guys faithfully serving a new birth for many, many years, leaving, coming to Victory, and then coming on staff as pastors? Like, what what was that
1: like? A whole new world (laughs) it was a whole new world Uh, first before we jump into it uh, we just want to say thank you Todd and Liz for again as you just said for stepping up and making sure that the vision was not lost uh, even in the midst of some transition and transfer and even as we're here today I know uh, those are people watching on live stream we welcome you in today and today we're gonna do it a little different today you know we a lot of times we'll preach and kind of have the word but today is really good for us just to be able to talk a little bit because sometimes we learn a lot more by just having conversation and learning about the journey in a practical sense so we thank you guys and uh, I wasn't joking you know when I I kind of warmed up my vocal cords a little bit it was a whole new world Um, I was at New Birth for 20 years yeah for 20 years on staff for 16 years Uh, and in 2017 Uh, That's when Bishop Eddie Long, he passed away in uh, January of 2017. And through that time, I was actually serving as the chief leadership officer at New Birth, which is kind of like the equivalent of an executive pastor. Uh, Different people call it different things. But in that time, it it was difficult because, again, I had been at the church so long helping solidify leadership, helping with the transition. But how many of us know, especially if you work in the corporate world or what have you, when new leadership comes in, Sometimes there's a change and sometimes there's a shift. And it was one of those things that God really tested and tried our hearts of, will you get bitter? You know, will you get upset? Will you get tainted? Or will you allow me to lead you in this new path? And even as I read the scripture over us last week, Jeremiah 29:11, that God knows the plans that he has for you plans to prosper you, plans to give you a great hope and a future. That has been one of our life scriptures as we have navigated through this. So as we talk about even how we got to victory, our last Sunday at New Birth was September 17th, 2008, 2017, 2017. And from there, literally, uh, the next week, we attended a church. We visited. I said, we're not going to let the devil get get a foothold. We're going to still go to church. And so we got up and went and visited a church. But the second week after that, we actually visited Victory at Norcross. And instantly, as we sat down, uh, literally right behind the sound booth and the little rafters, we sat down, and I looked around. And just like you see the four pillars here, the four pillars are around the Norcross campus, two on each wall. And I sat and I looked at them. And basically, I knew right then it represented vision. It represented core values. And I looked right at Kendra, and I said, babe, I think this is home. And now she'll tell you what she said. I was very sure. And she said.
3: I looked right back at him. And I said, babe, slow your roll. <laughs> it's only two weeks. And um, what you should know about us, Mo is an early adopter. I'm a progressive adopter. And my heart was still tender. And I want to say that to anybody that might be listening um, via live stream or even sitting in the room today. Don't rush the processes of God because you do need time to heal. You do need time to feel the environment that you're going into. And so we would do what any good church hopper would do. We'd go to Victory for one service and then we'd go to other churches. And we did that for about three to four months until Christmas Eve. We pulled up on the parking lot, and I just began to weep. Like, literally, as we were pulling into the parking lot at Norcross, I began to be overcome with the presence of the Lord. And what he started to sing over me was the song, "Forward, Moving Forward, I'm Not Going Back, I'm Moving Ahead. And why that was so significant is that as we pulled into the parking lot, I had never seen a church spend so much money and intentionality on an experience for their members. Um, As you know, on Christmas Eve, there's a live nativity um, at Norcross and at Hamilton Mill and one day soon at Midtown, on, too. But the reality was I began to weep and I heard the Lord sing that same song forward over us, which we had sung at our wedding. So that was a song we had sung over us before we said, I do. And in that moment, the Lord was just telling me to trust him again, to believe him again, and to let go and usher us into this season yeah. where we begin to get plugged in.
1: Yeah, and literally, as you stated, We took that time, but when we did say, okay, now this is going to be home, we did what we know to do, and that's to plug in. That's to start serving. So we literally started serving in the 11- to 14-month-old nursery in Victory Kids, big kids at the time. And it was just great because, again, being on staff, I was on staff at the church since I was 20 years old. And so I never had the opportunity to kind of get in the behind-the-scenes things. A lot of times I was on platform. I was doing, you know, the big leadership stuff that we see on the platform. But for us, we were in a season where we wanted and we received the reset. We were healing and walking through some things. And what that season allowed us to do was really to go in with no reputation. It allowed us to really go in and say, okay, if you would have faith to even, you know, give yourself over to even shepherding these little children... God said he could do something very great with us. And not about greatness on a platform, because sometimes we look like that. But I'm talking about great in our hearts. And so for every other Saturday at Norcross, we would actually go and serve in the children's ministry. And it was one of the greatest times that we had, because, again, nobody knew who I was. Nobody knew, you know, okay, he's the guy that does this. Because for so many years, people recognized me through what I did.
3: Except for the little kids. Except for the little
1: kids. They would humble me.
3: Yes, well, but the little boys... (laughs) literally clung to him and it was a it was an interesting tug of war because a lot of the women that were in big kids at the time they were like no mo you can't touch the kids they're crying he's like i got it i got it (laughs) and so then it it went from like i got it i got it to when we were short in rooms where there wasn't a male presence they would literally come and ask mo hey tonight could you serve in the 16 month to 20 month old room what have you so it was again being malleable in that season to just go wherever God wanted you to be yeah. um, because literally he made us of no reputation
0: Absolutely. I remember some weeks you would serve Saturday at Norcross yeah. and then they would show up not telling us this was before he was on staff they would show up at our setup which was 530 in the morning at Woodruff and yeah. be pushing cases yeah no one asked you to do that no one told you that wasn't expected of you and you guys did that several weeks and I remember even people that didn't know you well like on the worship team would be like hey that, that's something special, man, that they would show up and be willing to do that. So, yeah, that, that servant heart has always been there.
1: Thank yeah. you, man. And, and I think, you know, it's important because that's something that's at the core of who we are. Uh, we believe in servant leadership, not just for the title of it, but truly the heart of it. And so during that season, as we were serving, what we would do again, we would just show up and see how we can help. And over time, what happened as as we were at Victory for several months, really trying to be a little incognito, um, what happened was about probably January, Pastor Dennis actually knows one of our mentors, Pastor Gerald Brooks, who happens to be his pastor, which we absolutely did not know at the time. And they set up a conversation with us. And Pastor Dennis just sat down with me. He said, hey, Mo, we have this church, this campus in Midtown. I want you just to kind of go plug in. you know. I know you're into leadership development and things like that. Maybe you can help. And we just said, whatever whatever's needed, we'll do. So we literally just would show up, plug in, and then nothing else happened. No other conversations happened after that. And so on uh, one Tuesday morning in May, um, 2018. 2018, Kendra and I were working out. And we were just kind of going in. I was pushing her, telling her three more, three more reps. <laughs> And I got a phone call, and it was Pastor Dennis. And he said, hey, Mo, what are you doing? Are you available uh, to come into a staff meeting at 9 o'clock? And I'm like, okay, sure. He's like, I want to announce that I'm bringing you on staff.
3: That's how it happened, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> and if you know my husband, because he's still being on discipline, he said, now you finish this workout. I got to go upstairs and shower. <laughs> and being obedient, I finished the workout. But the beautiful thing about that particular day, because, again, imagine you don't hear anything for months. So you don't know this is happening. And Mo was good. He was working yep. at a nonprofit. But I knew my husband wasn't fulfilled in spirit, right? He was fulfilled. We were making a lot of money. We were just having fun that year. But he there was something missing. So when he got that call, he left me down. Uh, in the gym he headed to norcross and liz being the woman that she is she literally sent me pictures and video of pastor dennis praying over mo setting him in at the time as the assistant pastor victory midtown because i wasn't on staff then i didn't come on staff until three months later in in july but again i was there because liz has had had the foresight to say I want you to be a part of this, and I want you to know this is who the McVickers are. You'll hear a lot about us today, but without them staying in the grind, we wouldn't be here today.
2: Thank you. I love to sit back and talk about the different puzzle pieces because, you know, when you're going through things that seem tough, you know, whether it's a, a season where we're grinding and hustling to keep it alive or whether we're in a season of transition, trying to figure out what's next, God has all the puzzle pieces, yeah. and he's putting that beautiful picture together. And, you know, what we didn't know at the time was the same year that they got the call in May to come on staff, we got a call earlier in January that said, hey, guys, Midtown's maybe got six months left. We just, we're just we not sure how this is going to work out. And to know that whole time, God was working a plan yeah. in the moments. And can I just say you guys were worth the wait? You were one hundred percent worth the wait. And thank you for saying yes.
0: Thank you. Thank you. What's interesting too is you had a lot of people trying to hire you during that kind of wait yeah. season, right? You had like headhunters yeah. after you trying to get you to come to this church. Yeah. So why not take some of those more kind of prestigious opportunities, mm-hmm. bigger churches, larger churches, whatever, and sit in that uh, being uncomfortable. Like, why wait and then, and then take the victory position?
1: I mean, that's a great question <laughs> because, again, when you don't know what really is in your future, you can kind of misstep and step on something that's good and it's not God. It's good. And I say that often because a lot of times we get, patient, we get impatient because we're like, okay, I need to take this into my own hands. Lord, I know you have a plan for me. But what happened is that we really believe in only moving when God says move. And... As I've said on different occasions, we weren't hungry for a position. We weren't hungry to be on a platform. Again, I've traveled the world several times over, been on some of the largest platforms. But in that season, I really didn't even know if I wanted to be in full-time ministry again. Because when you walk in that for 20 years almost, then you're like, okay, I get a restart. Let me see what you want to do, God. But like she said, it just, something was missing. But what we knew is that we didn't want to just go sign up for a job. We wanted to make sure we signed into calling. Mm -hmm. And for us, we wanted to be a part of something significant with people that wanted to do something significant. And a lot of those other things, they were really great opportunities. I mean, really good opportunities. (laughs) I mean, one of them particularly was at a very large church where pretty much they will probably like, Three to 5,000 members that I would have gone in and pretty much been the guy, like, right away in another state. But for us, we said, okay, we want to make sure we're somewhere that meets our values, that matches with our values, that matches with our heart. And when we saw those four pillars, it was like, okay, God, if we are never on staff here, we just need a nice church home. We need to be plugged into somewhere that really fits with our heart.
3: And I think another important thing is in that season, we chose our family first. Yes. So in some of those opportunities, they were a good opportunity for Mo, but not a good opportunity for me. I would have to give up my full professorship to move to some of those opportunities. And what we had an opportunity to do with that reset with the transition of Bishop Long is to really put God first, then us, whereas in other seasons of ministry, it was God, then ministry, then us. And that was probably one of the seal the deals for me When I met with Pastor Dennis, he said two things. He said, we believe in family first. He said, but we don't just want Mo, Kendra. We want you too. And that was the ease to any dis-ease, discomfort in some of these other decisions. And so I want to just say that to spouses in the room, um, to those who are in significant relationships as well. Until you both are on the same accord, don't move. Because if you move and you're not on the same accord, there's going to be misalignment. And here's the thing, there was one opportunity, I'll never forget it, we just knew that was gonna be the one. And literally that door slammed shut. It was as if the people didn't remember us. But I will say, as God is my witness, the Lord saved us from a tsunami of things that were to come. And so that's the other thing, too. I said it on the prayer, um, Wednesday night prayer, delay is not denial. And we have to know that for ourselves because we can only see in part. And so going full circle back to that Sunday when he said, this is our church, in my heart I knew it. My head had to catch up so that I could be congruent.
2: So you guys finally get to Victory Midtown. You become pastors, and it's smooth sailing from there, right?
1: (laughs) You wish you could say that, right?
2: (laughs) What have been some of the challenges for you guys over the last two years? I think the
3: biggest one, honestly, um, has been watching our team. So our staff, um, our volunteers who come at 530 in the morning, Sunday in, Sunday out, rain, sleet, snow, freezing weather, hot sun. They are here leaving their family so early in the morning to set this space up so that we can worship together. And for me, the burden and the toughest part of that is not having a place where we can call home so they can rest in that. But let me tell you something that happened from first service when we were sharing about the same thing. When we were standing outside saying hello and greeting everyone, someone came up to me and said, the Lord said to sow a $1,000 seed into your building fund for Victory Midtown. Wow. So again, just, wow. yeah. It gave me the check. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they didn't give you the IOU, they just gave you the check. Now listen, um, I think that is definitely one, but another one for me has been kind of what we're talking about, uh, knowing that we are the fourth set of leaders in four years. Four set of leaders in four years. Again, you had Kyle and Mallory. We had Todd and Liz, Rob and Don, and then us. And being able to see people, look, look you in the eyes, look those who are watching online in the eyes, and to assure you that we're not going anywhere.
3: We're not going anywhere. That we
1: are here, that we are settled in. We're not going anywhere. And I think that's important because sometimes what happens is that it's like this unsaid thing, this unsaid tension. We've been on calls. We've been in even volunteer meetings and things where people are kind of looking like, all right, it's about that two-year time. You know, it's time for the rotation. And we're like, no. You know, when we made a decision to come to victory, this is another thing that was very important. We made a decision for the decade. Yeah. We said, we're not looking for a gig. We're looking for something that we can actually lean into where we can build with people for the long haul. Yeah. And so to be able to look at people and say, listen, we want to make sure that we have your best interests at heart and we want to develop you. We don't want to use you. We want to develop you. We want you to make sure that you're released into everything that God has for you. And then that segues into the fact that as pastors, When you talk about challenge, especially in these last several months, again, it's no secret that we're of a darker hue. It's no secret that we are black. It's no secret that we're African-American pastors pastoring a multicultural church in the city of Atlanta when there are all these different things going on. So the tension sometimes is when people want you to choose your earthly culture over the kingdom culture. And for us, while we don't apologize at all for being black, we love our culture. We love being black. We love everything that comes with it. But we love what God says we're supposed to be way more than that. And so when you are walking through this tension, yeah, when you're walking through especially what's going on in the world, a lot of times people want to kind of talk kingdom until it's convenient. And then we kind of kind of fall back into our race or our community or the people that we're comfortable with. And for us, we just believe that we're better together. Yeah. We just really believe that God can do something special. And this right here is even a picture of the kingdom. Yeah. This right here is a picture of what God wants to do when you get out of the way and you say, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. So the reality is, again, sharing some of our hearts and sharing our real story, a lot of times we get pressure to respond in certain ways that could be okay. It could be permissible, but it's not profitable. Wow. It could could be permissible, but it's not uh, profitable because sometimes there are things that we could say and have warrant to say, but at the same time, we always have to speak through the mind of a reconciler. We always have to elevate the conversation to say, is this going to allow us to go better, further together, or are we going to take a side that actually creates division?
0: So with,
1: with that, and obviously we've been in a, just
0: a crazy season with everything happening in the world, but specifically with race relations over the past couple of months, what, what has uh, been something you've had to navigate, even from a, a victory culture standpoint, with Pastor Dennis, 30 years yeah. speaking into uh, race relations, and now you guys, uh, black pastors over this campus here?
3: I think it's trust. Um, I just did the Lead Well podcast this past week, and um, I talk about trust currency, And I think on all sides, it's a question of trust. So I think if I can just speak in plain terms, uh, white people are looking at us, Asian people are looking at us, Hispanic people are looking at us as African-Americans, saying, can I trust you with my heart, with my hurts, with my areas of healing? And conversely, you have black people looking at us and asking sometimes, well, how do you navigate this tension? I remember someone said, because you're really black. but but yeah? like literally like <laughs> surprise but they're like you have a way in these rooms when things are said that could be offensive where you don't get offended so it's really building trust currency and all the different constituency groups and not losing yourself yes. who has God called you to be so I went to a school where there were only 33 African Americans on the whole campus of 1600 people and so if I was so bent one way I would have had a miserable life experience and, and the last part of it is this there's no law there's no quote-unquote form of human love that will change the experience of what God does. So what I tell people all the time, yes, racism is real, sexism is real, microaggressions are real, but the blood of Jesus is realer than all of that, and he opens up doors that no man would allow you to walk through. So when that happens, you have to give him thanks because sometimes he's sending us, even as women, into spaces not because that not merely because we're women, it's because of what he's put in our mouth needs to be spoken in that room. And what happens a lot of times is if we haven't been in the rooms in a long time, we come in the room with an edge, like, it's about time. (laughs) And it forfeits a lot of what he's done. And so be very clear, when we're saying kingdom first, it doesn't mean, I'm a political scientist, so I study this stuff. I know in Atlanta, there's a north-south divide. The south side is more economically challenged than the north side, those things are real. What we are saying, however, is we want to lead with the kingdom because it's the kingdom of God that
1: heals. Yeah. yeah. That was good for me. That was good for me.
2: And I think one of the advantages of of being white and having black pastors and having a relationship with you guys is you know, white people that are reconcilers, they really want to get it right, but they don't know how to get it right. Yeah. So it's so awesome to have black pastors that we can go to and ask the, the dumb questions. What does that and the, mean? Uh, yeah, what does that mean? And how, to, how does this come across? And, and to really seek to understand. And I mean, that's, I mean, we've been at victory for 20 plus years, but just to have someone in authority over us that we can go to and ask those questions has been life-changing.
1: Yeah, and I would say what's important to to really remember is, again, from the foundation of this church, Pastor Dennis has believed in this. And to be very honest, Pastor Dennis did something with us and gave us a chance that even people that look like us didn't do. Yeah. And so we are very grateful, but at the same time, we can never compromise the God call on our lives to make sure that we are representative. So even in rooms where things are said, where we're trying to figure it out, we have to be courageous even in our conversation to talk and show the other side of it so that all of us are represented. But the other thing is, again, with him doing this for 30 years, we know that he's committed to this. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're in conversations. We have dinner and lunch, and we've gone to trips, and he's asked us the hard questions. And even what's important is that even next week, he comes out with a book that actually kind of captures his life work uh, called One. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to be really great. And I I would really uh, encourage everyone that can to go ahead and pre-order this text in because... This is, again, I've already read the book, yes. and he talks a lot about the stories that really kind of pricked his heart to make him very committed to racial reconciliation. And what I can say without a shadow of a doubt for our family that he's the real deal when it comes to this. Yes. And let me say this. Being the real deal about something does not mean you won't have a misstep. Yeah,
3: that's good, Mom.
1: Being the real deal, being committed to something does not mean you might not say something out of ignorance. Mm-hmm. Can we be real? There are times that a lot of us, we will judge things based off a moment. Yep. And what I want to encourage you to do, because I'm going to say some stupid stuff sometimes. <laughs> I'm going to say something I probably already have that you're like, <laughs> I don't know about that. But the reality is, here's something that I call a mo-verb or a moism, And I want you to write this down if you're taking notes, because you'll hear me say this again, but I want you to really take this in the heart. For anyone that you say you're going to follow or submit to in leadership, here's the key. You have to remember what they told you in the light, even when it's dark. Remember what they told you in the light, even when it's dark. What does that mean? When, we, when times are easy, when times are peaceful, when all of us are smiling, and our stomachs are full and we're feeling good, remember the love that was shared and remember the authentic place that someone is speaking from so that when they have a misstep, when, not if, when they have a misstep, you don't judge them by that sound bite. You don't judge them by that one mistake. Because what you'll be able to say is you'll be able to say, no, I know them. No, I remember what they said. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt instead of operating in cancel culture right off the bat. So I just want to encourage us in that.
3: And I'll say this. I had to do this about a week and a half ago. When someone makes a misstep, don't blast them to other people. Don't blast them on social media. Go to them privately and in love and say, hey, I know this isn't your heart but when you said this, this is how it came across. Because here's the thing, not enough of us are willing to have courageous conversations, so what happens is someone says something it hits us the wrong way. I mean, listen, I get asked about my hair all the time, (laughs) okay? All the time. White people want to know about your hair and your age. All the time, okay? So, again, in those things, right, you have to just be okay with it. Yes, I changed my hair. Yes, it's okay. And not take it in a, a, a way that's harsh, but if someone is saying something that you know it hits you in your head, your heart, and your spirit, like, mm, that might not be good. You could say it to me, but if you said it to somebody else, it might be a whole other thing. In love, cover your brother and sister, cover them don't condemn them
0: so your hair's
2: pretty oh thank you
3: liz <laughs> thank you girl i like your hair thank
0: you girl so we've hinted at this but uh this last four years we've had challenges specifically with the setup teardown thing i mean that's just something that we can't have all the bells and whistles that some of the other campuses have just because we have to start from scratch literally yep. every day one thing that is a benefit though is from the early days there's just been this hunger For god to move and we've had some just amazing times of god showing up i think because we don't have some of the stuff to fall back on like we really want his presence to show up so with that what are some of your favorite like god moments that have happened at victory midtown
3: uh for me it just happened about 15 minutes ago when we went into that last song and then you went into spontaneous worship it's those moments when the presence of the tangible living god Come into this room. Come into our hearts. Those are my favorite moments because they're not scripted. We are off the time clock, but you see people leaning into the fullness of God. So moments like that. We've had similar moments, longer periods of time, uh, with thirst. And so I'll talk about the thirst uh, last January here. It was pre-COVID. It was standing room only. It's about 400 of us packed in this joint. And it was a Friday night. The gathering spot actually had two other events going on. So that's the other part about being. They had a liquor party. They did. They did. They did. So you're like, come (laughs) this way. You know, in the name of Jesus, go this way. (laughs) But in that particular uh, Friday evening, Frank Ski, the radio uh, uh, host, was here for an event, and he stepped into this room. And he was blown away to the point he posted it on his Instagram and said, I've never seen people on a Friday night in Atlanta worshiping God. And so it's moments like that where God shows up. And even if you come in for another event, he ushers you into this room to get what you
1: need. Absolutely. And I would just say to add to that, uh, one of my God moments, again, out of many would be two years ago. Yeah. Again, we celebrate two years as pastors in September. And I remember that first service we had, it was the installation service. We had hundreds of people, again, pre-COVID, hundreds of people in here packed in. And Pastor Dennis, he preached the word. He laid hands on us. And what it did, it put an exclamation mark on the fact that we're here to stay. Yes that yes, we've had some transition. Yes, we're still portable for the time being. But there's a foundation that God is doing something very special right here in the city of Atlanta, downtown and midtown. Uh, So that was very big. And then again, like you said, uh, a couple of weeks ago for me yeah. uh, in the 11 o'clock service where, again, we were in worship, you know, had a message that I was ready to preach, came up and the Lord wouldn't release me to, to preach it. But he was doing a work in us in the spirit and the fact that we were yielded enough yes. to be able to say, God, yeah, I know I have I prepared all week for this message. But if you want to preach, you can preach way better than I can. So for us to have the balance here to be able to say, God, yeah, I want the spiritual experience, but I also want people to be equipped to live in a human experience. I want the prophetic, but I also want the practical. So for us, it's very important for us to have balance. You know, a lot of times I have a background of, like, teaching, leadership, and things of that sort. And I believe that if we can have that mix, if we can have that balance, that becomes a a real cultivating place for God moments each and every week, each and every day as you're going through your life, to invite God into the prophetic as well as the practical so that we can get all that he has for us.
2: Amen. Amen. I think we could literally do an entire day-on-God moments that we've had yes. at Victory. Yeah. He, I mean, he's just done so much in just such a short amount of time. Absolutely. Um, for those who are sitting here with us today or are watching online, and maybe they've been here since day one and know all the history, or maybe this is their very first experience with Victory Midtown, what do you want people to get when they come on a Sunday morning? I think it's what we didn't get. So in that season
3: of having to find a new church home, it was intimidating It was frightening because, again, for the first time ever, we're walking through the front doors of churches. And so you pay attention to our people saying hello to you, our staff people being kind. And so for us, we really believe, and Mo will elaborate on this, in a culture of care. We want you, number one, to feel seen. That's why we stand out there most Sundays, unless it's raining, and then we find a dry spot in here where we're greeting you, we're saying hello to you. Mo won't let you go. So he's like, hey, you with the green shirt on! <laughs> you know, but but literally for us, it's that you are seen, that you are cared for, and that you feel the presence of God. Because for me in my life, it wasn't always someone preaching to me. It wasn't doing a Bible study. It wasn't even always small group. Because of how I'm wired, I'm very analytical, I'm very linear. It was tangible presence where I felt the living God transform me beyond anything my mind could ever explain. That's what drew me closer into God um, in a season where society was saying, you, you, don't, you don't have to serve God. And so that's what's important to us because there were, too, there were too many churches that we went to in that season before we got planted where it was a greeter. It was someone on staff. It was a high-level volunteer that made the experience so bad because it was like you're invisible.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I, I won't have to say much about it because you really just captured it again. If you're writing things down, this is something that's near and dear to our hearts. The culture of care is very important. And that's something that's even becoming more widespread over Victory Church at large. And again, when she talks about being seen, literally there are churches that we visited one time only because nobody spoke to us. One time only because we sat there and people just walked past. So that's why a lot of times when we have the opportunity, we'll come out before service speaking to you. After service, shaking your hand when we can, shake your hand, or now air high fives and and speaking to you. But the reality is, I say this in our membership class, that even where we are now, if you've been around here for any period of time, this church has almost tripled in two years as far as the numbers of people who attend. But what happens is that a lot of times people will come and say, well, I like a small church feel." Let me tell you something. A small church feel has nothing to do with the numbers of people that attend. That's right. A small church feel has all to do with the heart of connection that is right there with you. And what I say all the time in our new members class is that it's really not solely up to us to keep that small church feel. It's up to everyone. Come on, everybody raise your hand real quick. I'm not preaching today, but I want to involve you. All of us in the room... We have to be those who actually reach out to other people and say, what's your name? We have to reach out to people. People came up to us in the beginning here at Victory Midtown and invited us to a small group. Yeah. People came and said, what's your name? And that's what we want to continue. So all of us have to really be employed in being the master greeters of Victory Midtown to make sure that we keep this small church feel. Nice. That's so good. All right. So I'm going to go off book a little bit.
0: Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but Pastor Kendra also has another job. So not only is she our (laughs) Midtown pastor, but she's also uh, a doctor of political science, a chair at Oglethorpe University. So I kind of wanted to ask you, I think you have a, a very unique vantage point on the culture of the world right now. So you have to walk this fine line of you're in the church, you're in ministry, but you're also in the academic world. So how do you juggle those two worlds?
3: Wow, it's it's a, it's a tough juggling act, but I, I think the thing that I've realized and what keeps me balanced, Todd, is that there's value in both worlds. There's absolute unequivocal value in both worlds, but what I have found, and this is the tension that I manage, both of those worlds are diametrically opposed to each other. Mm-hmm. So I have academics who believe only in science. They don't believe in the living, tangible God, and I see them in situations sometimes Friends, colleagues all around the nation and world, and you're like, man, if you just came into understanding and relationship with the living God, these things would be transformed. At the same time, being in the Christian world, I see people who are so judgmental, are so quick to not forgive, who are so quick to put people in boxes, and they hold people to a standard where that person was undeveloped three years ago and haven't allowed them to grow in Christ. And so they put lids on people. And so for me, managing that tension happened this week. So on the Lead Well podcast, I was talking about Cardi B. And does Cardi B have redemption within her, right? Can can we as Christians, can we see the being as leading in her? And then on Friday, she and uh, Meg The Stallion, they released this debauchery which is going all around the nation and world and i'm like okay jesus but again i know what i'm called to and it's to bring understanding and connectivity to the both now let me be very clear that doesn't mean compromise your kingdom values it does not mean to turn a blind eye to the truth and the word of god but it's going in in humility to say there's value in both of these worlds how can we help each other and build a bridge to feed each other? That's
1: good. Um,
2: I have a quick, fun question for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we have been—we've had four different leaders. You're our fourth and final leaders. Come on, prophesy. <laughs> and um, we've met in seven different locations yeah. in four years. Seven. Seven. What's been your favorite?
1: So I would say, hands down, the gathering spot is our favorite location, yeah. because this is home. Yeah. This is where God has really moved, where we're seeing and building with this great community of people. But a second, uh, close second would be, when we've had to shift even from here at different times, would be Upstairs Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've been around here for a little while, we've had service at Upstairs Atlanta, I think, two times? Yeah. Two times? And in that, we were able to have worship in the round, where in that time, we had people all the way around. And I was getting a little dizzy trying to preach to everybody. Yes. But at the same time, the benefit was that people were able to look across the aisle and see their brother and their sister, really uh, be in a real uh, tangible place of community where we're connected. So those two have been the best. And uh, even with all that, we're, we're looking forward to, again, number eight being New Beginnings yeah. when we're able to really say we have it, we have it, we have it.
3: So you want to tell them a
1: little So feet? So I, I'll say this, I'll say this. Even on uh, prayer, in, come lean in, on, lean, in, in, lean in, in, lean in, lean in. On prayer this past weekend, you, you may have heard me say, uh, again, eight is the number of new beginnings. And we, begin, we really believe that as we shift, that God is doing something very special. Pastor Johnson a couple weeks ago said, we're like this close to securing our, our building. And I just want to let you know, we're not like this close. We're like, we're like this close. Come on, we're, we're like this close. So much so, we were hoping we would have been able to really just say we have it and all of that stuff today, but I want to let you know, keep praying, push it through, yes. because what we believe is that God is doing something extremely special. Yes. Um, we know that God works all things together for our good. Now we've looked at, counted over 30 buildings in the last two years. Over 30 buildings. Thought we were close on a lot of times, but what we are seeing in this season is that God really hid something for yes. Victory Midtown. Amen. And we believe, and if I can prophesy for a second, I believe that even the neighborhood, without giving giving it away, the neighborhood and the area that God is leading us to, it's a place where there are homes, where there are families, and that's hard to find in the city. So we really believe that we'll be able to embody these four pillars, embody transforming communities, embody building families in this new place. And again, if we can just pray just a little bit more, we believe very soon we're going to be able to cross that finish line. And not just to say we have a building. That's right but to have what we would call an equipping and sending center. An equipping and sending center where people are able to come in on a Sunday or in a midweek and get equipped so that you can truly walk out the full potential that God has for you in your life. Amen. Come on. That's good right there. (laughs) All
0: right, so last question. We've talked about the past. We've talked a little bit about the present. Now let's talk about the future. What are you guys most excited about for the future of Victory Midtown?
3: I think our home. And and not just it being a home, but a place of rest. Um, For any of you who have been in transition longer than you want to be in transition, you know you kind of walk and you got a little tenseness in your shoulders because you got to be prepared for whatever. You have to pivot on a dime. And for me, what this new church home symbolizes is a place of rest for us. I look forward to really creating the hero maker model that Pastor Johnson talks about, that each and every one of us is designed to reach three people that we raise up, that we mentor, that we deploy in ministry. And so I look forward to that. And more more than anything else, um, you guys know Justin Boyd. Um, He was our drummer, um, and he's now the director of children's ministry. Um, In the last two weeks, we've had six volunteers say, hey, I want to be in Big Kids. Like literally, unprompted, no volunteer push or anything like that. And I believe God is setting us up for the harvest in that particular community. So I look forward to being a light in that community, but a light on a hill in the city of Atlanta. And I would say this, get ready, because what Pastor Johnson shared with us, when they got a building, Hamilton Mill grew by 400 people overnight, overnight. And so I think God is preparing us for the growth that's needed in this city. So that's what I'm looking forward to.
1: Yeah, and I would just say uh, along those same lines as we're talking about stability. So this is something I didn't even say in the 9 o'clock service, but God has already spoken to us that Victory Midtown yeah. is going to be a church of at least 5,000 people. Yeah. It's going to be a church of at least 5,000 people. Yeah. Now, hear me when I say that. I'm not talking about counting numbers because what we don't believe in counting numbers, we believe in counting weight. Wait. And when we talk about counting weight, he's going to build this church to about 5,000 people because there is so much for us to do in this city. Many of you we've had conversations with, and you're in different areas, you're in different spheres of influence. And God wants you to be equipped so that literally, not just for a cliche's sake, literally, we can change the city of Atlanta, and literally, we can change the state of Georgia, and we can literally change the world. So as we're looking at this, this is what we believe. And what will happen? We've already been talking about this. It might mean that there are secondary locations of Victory Midtown, even in this general area. So as we're walking through this, understand this equipping is going to come, it's going to go deep, and then we all are going to be able to carry the mantle of what God has for us to rule, subdue, and have dominion according to God's word. Amen, man. Man. That's good. good. I'm (laughs) out. So
0: just one more thing. Uh, Next week, we celebrate... 30 years of Pastor Dennis and Pastor Colleen uh, transitioning to the buoys. Is there anything you want to share with the people about what next week is going to look like?
1: Absolutely. So it's going to be an incredible experience. And I just want to let you know, if you're someone in here, and as you see, you're comfortable coming to church, and we just want to invite you to take part in that. Yes. Next week, we were going to have service here at Victory Midtown, and we would have streamed the service. But what we decided, we were talking this week, and we said, this is such a monumental time. This is such a a moment in the history of our church that we wanted to give you an opportunity to be in the room. Uh, we believe that there are some things that can be taught. There are certain things that can be caught on the screen, but there's nothing like being in the room to actually experience it. So even as we were talking, what we said is that next week, even if we were to have service, we can only max out to be about 160 people coming into into this room across the two services. And what we were able to do is talk to the Norcross campus and we're able to account for and fold that number into the Norcross numbers. So we're going to not have physical service here at Victory Midtown next week, but we want to invite you to sign up today. Go ahead yes. and sign, up because it's going to fill up. Yes. Sign up today to attend the 9, 11, or 1 p.m. service at Norcross, because what that's going to do, it's going to connect us even more. It's going to allow us to see a glimpse of where we're going in our future, because what we believe in is Victory Church believes in Victory Midtown. Yes. Victory Church believes in Victory Midtown, and I want to let you know that as we enter into that time, we're going to be able to see what God is doing, but we want you to be a part of it because we love you. The church loves you, and I think it's just going to be incredible for us all to be able to be there together, and then we'll pick back up here the week after that, but next week, let's all pack in. When they say anything about Victory Midtown, let's stand up and make some noise, but um, it's going to be a great time.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I just wanted to thank you guys. Um, it's, it's great when we get to hear you preach, and you guys do such an amazing job of really sharing the Word of God very in a strong way, in a way that challenges us. But it's something different to be able to hear your heart. So I just want to thank you for sharing and being vulnerable and uh, telling a little bit about what, what we can expect in the future. So thank you. And I do believe, Haggai nine, the future glory of this temple will be greater Amen. than the past glory. Can we give it up for our pastors one more time? Amen.
1: Love y'all.